Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Please visit us at consumerguide.com and be sure to check out our best buy picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide, plus all sorts of other fun-related auto stuff. And if you've missed an episode or two, how would that happen? You can stream back episodes of the Car Stuff Podcast right there on our homepage. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let's see who is online with us today. He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide. He is president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, and he believes that garlic salt is an acceptable uh, substitute for condiments. Damon, welcome to the podcast. Garlic salt is a condiment, isn't it? It's not. Oh, no, that's it's just a, it's just a spice. So a condiment is is ketchup, mustard, mayo. I guess I don't know the specific definition of a condiment. Well, the point is, I've argued with this about my wife, and she and she'll put garlic salt on the table. Hmm. Regardless that's, of the meal being served. No, no, no. But like, okay. if we're having pizza for pizza. Oh, that's too much. Yeah. Well, that's what I yeah. say. I think it's a little coarse, a little aggressive. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. All right, I'm, Damon, not, I'm, I'm, a fan of, I'm a fan of garlic salt. No, I love garlic. I love garlic yeah. salt, but I don't know if I want to pour it raw on stuff. No, I'm, I'm proud. I think I'm fully an adult and domesticated now because we own a garlic <laughs> press. I think that's a marker of adulthood, owning a garlic press. <laughs> <laughs> You're adult and domesticated. Yeah. Because you I love it, it, man. You, you squeeze it and it comes just it's like a Play-Doh extruder. You know? <laughs> only it's only it's delicious. We have this was actually when we got married, we used to have a day of the week where we, we would swap like one person cooked one day, one person did dishes that day. And and some days my wife would make would make frozen pizza. So I'm like, OK, I'm off the hook. There's nothing for me to wash today. But right. she had this three piece garlic press that she brought. Uh, to the so she's spicing up the store bought pizza. Yeah, yeah. So frozen pizza, John's pizza, whatever it is. And she's breaking out the very complicated and hard to clean three piece garlic press. Do you think she did that just to spite you? I think so. <laughs> I hey, think hey, so. You know, hey, before we go even any further here, how come Jill gets the week off this week? Ah, well, Damon, that's a great question. <laughs> Did she, had, did she did she did she beg off that she yes Jill Simonillo did she beg off did she say that she had some huge Thanksgiving meal to prepare some we sort of free vegan uh, Thanksgiving meal she actually is super into cooking anyone who follows oh, her she's very good at it too yeah. is she I've never I've never sampled well she does the, the she does the gluten-free donuts and for gluten-free they were quite good but yeah I've seen her post pictures of some of the dishes she makes and I'm like, oh, that looks fantastic. Yeah, the stuff looks good. And and she does the good Facebook posts of food she's making. So uh, mm-hmm. if she's not a good cook, uh, she's, she's convinced <laughs> me that she is. They're, at least she's a, her dishes are photogenic. There you go. <laughs> but Jill is the week off, Damon, because you and I are talking best buys. This is our oh. 2021 best buy episode. And, yes. and here's, here's a fun best buy fact. Consumer Guide has been selecting Best Buy since 1970. That is longer than I've been alive. Sadly, it is not, it is not <laughs> longer than I've been alive. Uh, but I was not in the market yet when I when I first became aware of Consumer Guide Best Buys. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, uh, in honor of the occasion, you can't see it, but I am wearing a tuxedo. I can't see it. Picture no. it didn't happen. Actually, I'm lying. I'm not wearing a tuxedo, but I am wearing a cummerbund. Which is appropriate, I think. (laughs) 
But this is our 2021 Best Buy list. This is the 20th or 19th Best Buy list I've been involved with. How's that oh for crazy? Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yes. And one of, the, one of the interesting things about the Best Buy list is that when I joined Consumer Guide way back when, the Best Buy choosing took place on a single day, involved pizza and the entire staff in a room. And it often became contentious. But one of the things that's happened over the years is, is, is that we can't really pick them in a single day anymore because the market just moves. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can try, but we're trying to nail them down early. We're waiting to get into cars. We put together a list, and then we're trying to call manufacturers to get all the stuff so we can include it on the list. So the whole process is different now. It is but- definitely different. Do you, and do you remember the good old days when – and this was still a thing when I was a kid in the 80s, like fall. Fall was the time when the new vehicles rolled out and, you know, the, the next year's model year vehicles, and now – that is just a, a memory. No, nobody does it that way anymore. You know, there can be early 2021 models that might debut in late 2019. Even I think that was the case with the the Kia Seltos. The that was one of the early 2021 models, just to give one example. But yeah, nobody sticks to that traditional uh, fall introduction of next year's uh, model year of cars. No, right. Honda has just teased the 2022 Honda Civic. Yeah, so that's that's two model years out here. Well, one model year, really, because we're at the end of this one. But still, right. that's, that's the way the market plays now. And there's all sorts of reasons why manufacturers like to reach ahead and pull ahead model years. Uh, they have to do with things like emission standards and trying to get things categorized differently. And, and it works for leasing, too. A, a car will retain more value if it has a later model year. So a lot of stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. But our Best Buy list has evolved over the year, as we mentioned, and it now includes almost 50 cars, which sounds crazy, in more than 20 categories. But yeah. here's the interesting thing about us picking 50 cars. Depending who is counting, there are 250 or 260 different models available right now to American Man. consumers. And, and the crazy thing is this works exactly like the honor roll at my daughter's college. <laughs> The top 20% of students make the honor roll, and roughly the top 20% of vehicles make our best buy list. Uh, yeah. So it's just like you to bring math into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a reef fish. I pull close to the things I'm comfortable with. Sure. But, but you've got the list in front of you, Damon. Why don't we just start from the bottom and work our way up? I do. Um, do you want to kick it off? I, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like uh, – I wanted to get, I did not have my ducks in a row to get this together, but we really, the, we really need more pageantry here. So next year, <laughs> let's music. talk about a drum roll sound effect oh, and let's is. talk about some orchestra music and let's okay. talk about uh, if one of us talks too long, music comes up and we're played off the stage. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Okay. And then we need best buy hats that we can wear backwards. Okay. Uh, all right. Sounds good. So, all right, do you want to just kick it off then? I could tap the desk for a drum roll or something, but uh, let's just kick it off uh, with, we'll start with the SUV categories and we'll start at the bottom of the SUV category or the smallest, at least, of the SUV category in in physical size. Yeah. Uh, And that is subcompact SUV. And small, these vehicles are small, as their name implies, but this is a very hot category that has grown almost more than any other over the past uh, few years. Um, So we've got four Best Buys in this category. A couple of them are carryover. Uh, one of them is a was a mid-year addition last year. That's how much we liked it. And then one of them is new a new edition for 2021. So those are, I'll just read them off in a row and we can talk about them afterward. The Hyundai, the Hyundai Kona, the Hyundai Venue, uh, the Kia Seltos and the Kia Soul. So uh, the Korean automakers uh, dominating the subcompact SUV category. They are. uh, And this category is interesting too, in that this is now the growth category. 
for years, compact crossovers have been has been the hot segment, but that's cooled off a little bit, and manufacturers have started reaching down market to subcompact crossovers. And this is sort of a response too that customers are abandoning sedans, they're abandoning cars, and manufacturers are adding new vehicles, new crossovers in new size classes, and they're parsing that segment further and further. So we now have this subcompact crossover segment that literally didn't exist a few years ago. Yes, and it's it literally didn't exist a few years ago. And as I'm looking at it right now, it's it's even more diverse than it was when uh, it was we first inaugurated it. Uh, it and just the and the, these four winners are a case in point of that. I would say uh, the Hyundai Venue. Uh, which is the vehicle that we added uh, mid-year. Uh, it was a mid-year introduction uh, for 2020. Uh, and we liked it so much, we, we made it a uh, mid-year through the season. We added it to the list, which is something that we rarely do. And it, uh, it carries over for 2021. That is a new vehicle on the very small, very affordable end of the subcompact SUV market. Um, and that's similar to the Nissan Kicks in that way. Neither one of those vehicles even offer all-wheel drive like most of the rest of the class. And it is an especially uh, budget-priced vehicle. But within that uh, low-buck uh, price range, it offers a lot of personality and a lot of value. So that's the small end. And then right. interestingly, the Kia Seltos, we actually had more than one discussion about, mm, do we make this a subcompact or do we make it a compact SUV? Because it is right on that line size-wise. So the Seltos kind of represent represents the big end of the subcompact SUV market. It does, yeah. And then we have the Kia Soul. That's been around for a long time and it's been updated freshened once and I think updated once and and we've had it on our best buy list for a while this is one of those vehicles that is arguably not a crossover we we call it a right but it makes great use of space it is boxy it is roomy not available with all-wheel drive yet there's rumor that that's coming soon but mm -hmm. an actual vehicle if you want just an urban runabout great use of space again you, it, it passes what I call the four Tom test which is <laughs> more of me in the car comfortably Yes. And yet it's still easy and maneuverable to drive. Yeah, I honestly, a vehicle like the Soul would be, if I was in the market for a new family vehicle, um, that would be near the top of my list. We actually took a family vacation in the good old days in summer of 2019, and uh, we got a Soul for our trip and two kids and mom and dad and our luggage and we managed to squeeze everything into the the kia soul so packs a lot of usable space into a very small package and yes me being an extra tall guy getting in and out of it with that kind of raised height seat and the tall boxy roof line it's it's just a size just right for me given how small it is overall how small a footprint it has also, a relatively new segment is the premium subcompact crossover, but in fact, luxury makers too are reaching not so much down market, but downsize to try to cover everything that consumers expect. Uh, expect. Damon, what do we have in the premium subcompact crossover class? So just as it was last year, we've just got one Best Buy in this category. The, the category is growing, but at this point, it's still a little smaller overall in terms of overall vehicle count and our best buy winner in this category is a carryover from last year and that is the volvo xc40 um again just a very surprisingly stylish um small super compact suv that has more space inside than it looks like it might um not a whole lot changes with the xc40 for 2021 but it does get a pure electric version called the XC40 Recharge. Um, so there's now a pure EV version of the XC40 as well. I think of all the premium subcompact crossovers, the XC40 probably represents its manufacturer best. I think the interior is gorgeous. It feels like a luxury vehicle. It rides and handles very well. Um, I'm not thrilled with any Volvo four-cylinder when it comes to overall refinement, but that's a small nit to pick. This is a really nice car. I think our single caution on this car is that you want to be conservative when choosing options because this exactly. can be expensive very yep. quick. 
Yep. Very reasonable base prices. But uh, if you're liberal with the options list and you start selecting inscription uh, options and, and that sort of thing, uh, all of a sudden you find yourself looking at, uh, you know, 50K range almost. And yep. at that price, a little less of a value, but still a great vehicle overall. All right. Compact crossovers, Damon, what do we have? This is another uh, bedrock category uh, and a little more mature than the, the other ones. It's been around longer, but yeah. again, just a ton of activity and, and a good number of entrants. And again, we've got four winners in this category. Um, they've changed a little bit. Actually, I, yeah, changed a little bit, but mostly stayed the same. The, the winners are the Honda CRV, the Mazda CX-5. Uh, the redesigned for 2021 Nissan Rogue, and the Subaru Forester. Those are our four compact SUV Best Buy winners. Yeah, and CRV now available as a hybrid. That is an excellent vehicle that people should probably look at. Mm -hmm. And that was one. Uh, CRV rejoined the list this year, which is unusual for us in that it's not a fully redesigned model, but right. we were so blown away by that CRV hybrid that we tested last year that that kind of pushed it over the the uh, edge for us and, and we made it a Best Buy based in no small part on the strength of that hybrid model. Just one of the smoothest uh, power, hybrid powertrains we've ever driven. Yep, I agree completely. One, one of the interesting things is that when we talk about hybrid refinement, we normally talk about Toyota. So it's really nice to see Honda getting into that fray and, and building a hybrid that is almost transparent and returns excellent fuel economy. Mm -hmm. And the, the CX-5, uh, that's been a perennial Best Buy pick for us. And again, I think you would agree with me, Tom, probably the most fun, uh, yeah. most nimble uh compact SUV in, in the fun to drive category. Yeah, let's just come clean. We're car guys and the CX-5 is fun to drive. <laughs> yeah, we, the, the, I, will have, I will say though, the, the most recent CX-5 we had through the test fleet, our consumer guide test fleet, starting to show its age just a little bit. Like uh, there's, yeah, it's, it's um, still one of the best vehicles in the class and I still think it's fully uh, deserving of a Best Buy award, but, um, I think we should either be looking at a fairly significant mid-cycle refresh or a redesigned uh, CX-5 in the near future. All right, David, what's going on in premium compact crossover? Um, two winners in this category, and both of them are carried over from last year. That's the Acura RDX and the Infiniti QX50. Yeah, two interesting vehicles, and they're very different. The RDX, obviously, fun to drive, a thing that we admit that we respond to. Mm -hmm. Infinity QX50 is just a fundamentally good car, rides well, handles well, good use of space. Interestingly, it has not caught fire, and it isn't selling as well as it might expect a vehicle in this class to sell, but I think consumers just haven't discovered it yet. Yeah. This brings us to... Oh, go ahead, Damon. I was just going to say, uh, do you think the... The QX55, uh, the new fastback uh, variant of the QX50, do you think that's going to move the needle for Infinity at all? I don't think so. And here's why. The fastback or coupe version of crossovers traditionally sell about 10 or 20% as well as the primary vehicle that it's based on. So I mm -hmm. don't think this is going to do that much. However, the launch of that vehicle may call attention to the QX50, which Infinity needs. And yeah. again, it's a fundamentally good vehicle, and it would be nice if more shoppers knew about it. Yeah. All right, Damon, what's going on in midsize crossovers? Uh once again, uh, four winners in the midsize crossover SUV category, which again, a, a juggernaut category in the, the new car marketplace overall. So our four winners are the Hyundai Palisade, the Kia Telluride, both of those uh, carried over as winners from their inaugural season last year. When they were introduced last year, I think they blew away most every auto journalist and they retained their status this year. And then Two new Toyotas, well, actually, uh, only one of them is technically new for 2021, but there's two Toyotas we've added to our list for the 2021 Best Buys, and that's the Toyota Highlander 
and the Toyota Venza. Yeah, and, and the Venza is the interesting car here, I think. We talked about how manufacturers are scrambling to fill niches as people abandon cars and, and, and sedans. And, and the Venza came kind of came at us out of nowhere, but it is this weird tweener crossover. could almost be a compact. Um, it's a two-row crossover, fits between the Highlander and the RAV4 and Toyota's lineup, but it's kind of a premium vehicle. And in my mind, yeah. it plays a little bit like a near Lexus product. It's very For sure. Cool. The interior is very nice. It's kind of fun to drive. It's also hybrid only, which is interesting. And as we mentioned before, when we were talking about the Honda CRV, this is one of those hybrid systems you really don't know is there. And I think that most people who test drive this vehicle aren't going to come away knowing or caring that it's a hybrid. Yeah. The, the other thing that really impressed me about the Venza is uh, very competitive uh, MSRP base prices. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, when you compare the, the very uh, aggressive MSRP versus the level of luxury and kind of premium feel in the car, it's just uh, incredible bang for the buck. Uh, I, I, the, the prices versus the upscale feel in the interior, I think is one of the best values that, that in the, the new vehicle market right now. I think so. You know what, Damon, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Best Buys. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show where I remind you to follow me on Twitter. I am CarGuyTom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain you. Damon. Yes. Damon, we left off at premium midsize crossovers. What's going on there? Yes, let's keep this Best Buy train rolling. Um, <laughs> for a premium midsize SUV, once again, we've, uh, well, actually we're down to just one, uh, Best Buy winner, uh, in the premium midsize SUV category. And part of the reason for that is one of our previous Best Buy winners is skipping the 2021 model year. So our lone premium midsize SUV winner this year is the Volvo XC90. And traditionally we've like, we've, awarded the Acura MDX uh, a Best Buy award as well, but that is skipping the 2021 model year. So we might be circling back to that for 2022 when the uh, new redesigned MDX launches. Yeah, the XC90, uh, very roomy, beautiful interior, great use of space. One of those things too, where the base prices are attractive compared to things from BMW or Mercedes. However, as we've mentioned before about Volvo, the options can kill you. Mm -hmm. so, be careful how you order your vehicle. David, the okay. you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just one more note about the XC90. One of yeah. the older designs in that category, but man, still holding up very well against more recently redesigned uh, competitors. So uh, I definitely have to hand it to the XC90 for that. And it's still, I know it's subjective, but still one of the best looking vehicles in that category as well. Yeah, I'd like to add too that for years, it seemed like Audi was sort of the, the industry leader when it came to avant-garde and interesting interior design. And I think they handed that off to Volvo a couple of years ago because this is just a gorgeous interior. For sure, yeah. All right. We move on to large SUVs and, and take note of the fact that we don't use the word crossover here because most of these are old school body on frame vehicles. Um, by old school, I mean traditionally designed. There's nothing really low tech or old about them. But Damon, what's going on in this category? Well, I'll mention these uh, out of alphabetical order because one uh, is a carryover, but we've got two new additions uh, and they are the kind of expected new additions. Our carryover winner is the Ford Expedition, which was redesigned uh, two, three years back, uh, still holding up very well as an incredibly refined uh large SUV, but our uh, new additions uh, are technically, depending on how you look at them, there are two new vehicles or four. <laughs> that is the, that's the redesigned Chevrolet Tahoe and Suburban. 
and the also redesigned uh, cousin vehicles to those, and that is the GMC Yukon and Yukon XL. Yeah, these vehicles have been redesigned, and and they're larger. The base vehicles have gotten longer. The the extended length, the Suburban and the Yukon XL, have also gotten longer, though not as dramatically. But I mm -hmm. think the really big news in this class, uh, that they are redesigned. And the big thing that happened to them is new rear suspensions. Yes. This, this might sound a little inside baseball, but it affects everything. Mm -hmm. uh, General Motors has gone with a new independent rear suspension for these vehicles, which means not only do they ride and handle better, and they do, but the third row seat arrangement finally makes sense. Previous versions of this had rear seats, third row seats that were way above the floor and had to be folded and then dealt with. But now they fold completely into the floor, leaving a huge, vast, flat load floor. These are much better vehicles now because of that improvement. For sure. I just recently had a second turn in the new GMC Yukon Denali. And yes, the, the, the ride quality and the overall kind of ride composure is really remarkable. Uh, compared to what they were before. Which brings us to premium large SUV. <laughs> well, <laughs> very, that, uh, if, in a nutshell, the premium large X SUV category, the winners are the luxury versions of the large <laughs> SUV category. Right. <laughs> the, the winners, uh, and they happen to be carryovers, the Cadillac Escalade and the Lincoln Navigator. Uh, so, both of those vehicles share a basic engineering platform with their uh, Ford, Chevy, and GMC counterparts, uh, but are expectedly, you know, the luxury and the uh, posh interior trimmings are turned up to 11 on both of these. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that Cadillac is sort of on, on the edge of avant-garde design. Um, for the first time in a long time, I think, they've been doing this art and science exterior design for a while, but now the cabin of the Escalade feels really cool and hip now as well. They've got the new AKS audio system, what they call their OLED uh, uh, information screen. OLED is organic LED, and it is this arced combination instrument panel and infotainment screen and it's pretty dramatic it, it, it's not the big deal they've made but it nearly is it, it, it's, it's very impressive and it's one of the first things you notice when you get into the car but for sure but very, uh, uh that that takes us to subcompact car doesn't it damon <laughs> yes we're moving we're we're jumping off and moving way down market <laughs> again to some of the most we're moving from some of the most expensive uh domestic at least uh expensive new vehicles down to some of the most affordable new vehicles on the market and that's the subcompact cars category uh which I think, do you, do you want to place bets on how much longer this category is even going to exist? Because it was, it, it was shrunk by 50% this year. There are, there are only four uh, vehicles entrance in the subcompact car category this year. And our two winners are once again, uh, Korean vehicles. It's the Hyundai Accent and the Kia Rio, but uh, yeah, lots of uh, shrinkage in the subcompact car segment. Right. And I think the segment may completely disappear fairly soon. One of the interesting things about this segment, the Hyundai Accent is now doing battle in showrooms against the new Hyundai Venue. Mm -hmm. And the Venue is a small crossover. It sits upright, makes better use of space because it is a crossover. And I think it's kind of cool looking, too. So I think the Accent is going to suffer sales-wise as a result of being on the same floor, same showroom yeah. floor. Right, And we may see that vehicle disappear fairly soon. The Kia Ria, too. Those are nice little cars. They're, they're fairly refined. They're very affordable. Fuel economy is good. And front seat passenger space is surprisingly good given their size. If you're looking right. for a starter car, not a bad way to go. Yeah. The one, just real quick, the one, the vehicle that I think we need to pour one out for is the Honda Fit. That yeah. was dropped. So, so, again, your prediction that the accent might... Uh, uh, go away uh, when it's up against the venue. That's already come to pass at Honda, where the Honda Fit has been discontinued, and now the HRV is the entry level smallest vehicle in the Honda lineup. Yeah, straight just changing times. Exactly. All right, compact car, Damon. What would he, what do we have going on there? We've got uh, four winners there: uh, the Honda Civic, 
uh, perennial Best Buy. The Honda Insight, kind of the dark horse uh, hybrid compact alternative to the Prius that we really like. The Nissan Versa, which is a little bit smaller than the average compact car, but an outstanding value. And then finally, the Toyota Corolla. Yeah, a couple of notes on this segment real quick. The the Honda Insight is an odd bird in that it is really a different vehicle than the Civic, though it is not much different in size. And it is a pure hybrid vehicle. And I don't know why Honda chose to segment that those vehicles out that way. There could have just been a Civic hybrid, but... And there was in the past, yeah. Right, there is an interesting. It is. It's. It's. It's sad that the inside doesn't do better because I think it's such a, a good looking car. And and uh, the the yeah, it, I sort of look at it as the anti Prius in that it is a super economical hybrid that doesn't have all the spacey. Hey, look at me! I'm a green car styling. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My other note in that segment, too, is, is the Corolla that was redesigned two years ago now. And if you remember Corollas of past, this is not that Corolla. This is a much more <laughs> nicer interior, more refined vehicle. The Corolla was always known for fuel economy and for reliability. Uh, and I presume this one will be just as reliable. But it is a, just, it is a much more engaging, pleasant vehicle to drive now. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to premium compact car. Damon, what do we have going on there? So uh, this is this is a tricky one, and and there it's a it's a fairly good sized category, but we keep coming back to just one Best Buy pick in this category, and that is the Audi A4. Yeah, and I think we keep coming back to it because it is reliably what I think we think that segment should provide, which is an upscale experience at a fairly reasonable price. It is a small yeah. car, and the right. cars in that class the BMW 3 Series and Mercedes-Benz C-Class, they get very expensive in a big hurry. Yes, very quickly, yes. And and the Audi, for whatever reason, just plays, I don't know why, half a notch down. And it is an engaging car. Um, it's quick, it's fun, beautiful interior. And I think it's yeah, a good Very story. beautiful interior, yes. Yeah. Yep. All right, mid-sized cars, Damon. Mid-sized car, a uh, couple perennial favorites, and uh, another one that is also a longtime favorite of buyers in this class. That's uh, our three Best Buy winners are the Honda Accord, the Subaru Outback, and the Toyota Camry. Nothing super new with those either of those three this year, although the the Camry is probably the most updated of the three of them. The lots, uh, some nip and tuck of freshenings. The Camry's got like a slightly revised styling, um, and it's got a more a larger uh, tablet style uh, 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 infotainment screen. But other than that, mostly uh, carried over for those vehicles, aside for some nip and tuck modifications. Yeah, a couple of thoughts here. The Honda Accord, absolutely one of my favorite new vehicles available this year, has been for a couple of years. Just a great midsize sedan, feels premium in the higher trim levels. And the the hybrid version of that vehicle, outstanding. Great mm-hmm. mileage, decent power, great way to go. Uh, another note, too, is that the Outback, uh, a wagon, basically, and, and could be in a cr- small crossover class if we wanted it to be, or midsize crossover class, um, has a companion vehicle, which is the Subaru Legacy, which is available as a sedan. Also a nice vehicle. Didn't quite make our list, but somehow the wagon, the wagonization of the vehicle, <laughs> the utility appealed to us. Yes. And the sprinkling of SUV uh, elements such as the beefier fender flares and the raised ride height and uh, the roof rack, it, it just gives it a little bit more uh, go anywhere versatility. Yeah, I wish I wish we weren't a sucker for that stuff, but we just don't. <laughs> but we are. <laughs> All right, premium midsize car. Uh, three winners there: the redesigned for 2021 Acura TLX, the Cadillac CT5, and the Lexus ES. I would say the Acura and the Cadillac hue a little bit more to the sporty side of the segment, yeah. where the the Lexus ES. Again, one of our perennial uh, Best Buy picks, just unbeatable luxury car value. And and I think, Tom, as you've said multiple times, the ES is the vehicle you buy when you might not even be that into cars. You just want an effortless, an effortless, effortless, effortless man, I cannot say effortless, effortless, <laughs> effortlessly 
luxurious uh, sedan that asks basically nothing of you and just coddles you behind the wheel. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is really the polar opposite of the Acura TLX, which is, I'm so glad we finally got one through the office because it looked like we weren't going to have a chance to include it on this list. But the TLX is incredibly engaging. That mm-hmm. is a fun to drive, visceral car, as is the Cadillac, really. Actually, the Cadillac is surprisingly sporty um, for what it is. And I, and I enjoyed driving that. Yeah. If you're in the market for uh, a, a good value in a premium midsize car that hews to the more athletic side of the spectrum, I would recommend driving both the TLX and CT5 uh, yep. and, and compare those back to back. All right. What is going on in the large car category? <laughs> uh, imminent extinction. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, along with the subcompact car category. Boy, the uh, withering on the vine here is is large cars. There's just uh, you know SUVs have hit the large car category more uh, directly than than others. And yes, we're down. There's no more Chevy Impala. Uh, we are down to just four entrants in the large car class. That's the Chrysler 300, the Dodge Charger, the Kia Cadenza, and the Toyota Avalon. And of those four, the Toyota Avalon is our pick. Uh, the big thing that Avalon gets for 2021 is an available all-wheel drive powertrain. So that's a nice addition that makes it a bit more palatable for uh, snow belt shoppers. We had just sung the praises of the Lexus ES. The Avalon is really, honestly, a decontented version of that vehicle mm-hmm. um, and a great way to go in that class. It, it is surprisingly refined and quiet, passenger friendly if you're looking for a big car and don't want a crossover. Indeed. All right. Damon, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about premium large cars. All right. Sounds good. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. We are talking about the Consumer Guide 2021 Best Buy Picks, and we are about halfway through the list. But, Damon, before then, uh, you you sometimes post original poetry on Twitter. How can people see that? <laughs> Uh, if you want to see my haikus, you can follow me at Damon Bell likes cars. Yes. Haiku by Damon. Yeah. I, 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 maybe I need to make that Damon. Let me see. Damon Bell likes cars. That's only four syllables. So I need a fifth and then, yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. on posting that haiku or maybe not. <laughs> or not, whatever, whatever. Or not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We were looking at our best buy list, Damon, and we had gotten as far as premium large car. What's happening there? Uh, What's happening there is the Genesis G90. That is our best buy pick for premium large cars. Uh, That G90, I think the underpinnings are are more or less the same, but the G90 saw a significant uh, restyle last year that gave it much more distinctive some might say provocative styling. Um, And uh, again, for those who don't know, Genesis is the luxury division of Hyundai. Um, uh, The Genesis name originated on Hyundai sedans and coupes. And now they've, uh, you know, recently they've pumped it up into a full-fledged luxury brand of their own. Um, And the G90, I believe, was it the inaugural Genesis product? Um, and they're expanding into the SUV realm. We're going to be driving a GV80 soon. But yes, uh, hard hard to beat the G90 for uh, luxury bang for the buck. Yeah, and, and in this class, there's sort of a default thing happening where we as consumer guides sort of balk at recommending vehicles that break the six-digit barrier. But that said, the G80 kind of distinguishes itself anyway. And it's, G90. Yep, G90. Thank you. Yep. Because the folks at Hyundai, the folks at Genesis have really gone over the top with this vehicle. The interior is as plush as anything you could possibly imagine. The audio system is super high end, and it feels great on the road. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just a and, bunch and, of and and whether you, whether you like it or not, uh, the with that restyle last year, you can't say that the styling is anonymous anymore. It's got a very bold, uh, kind of diamond-shaped uh, front grill that you might consider it a love it or hate it uh, proposition. I, I I think it. I actually like it, and I think it is definitely what the brand needed to kind of stand out in the crowd. Oh, completely. You you can't miss this car now. Mm-hmm. All right, Damon, that brings us to sporty performance cars. What's happening there? Three uh, perennial favorites there uh, maintain their grip on the category. That's the Ford Mustang, the always delightful Mazda MX-5 Miata, and the Volkswagen Golf GTI, which is a swan song vehicle for this generation this year. This is going to be the last model year for the current generation uh, golf and GTI. And next year we'll see a new generation GTI hit the market in the U S but sadly the non GTI and non performance Volkswagen golf is no longer going to be sold here. So I'm definitely looking forward to drive that to driving that next generation GTI. I'm looking forward to that as well. And and just a quick note, all three of these vehicles still available with manual transmissions. So that's a Indeed. thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Premium sporty performance, Damon. What's happening there? Uh, three winners there. The BMW Z4. Uh, it's unlikely uh, cousin, the Toyota Supra. Both those are, are carried over from last year. And then, uh, not surprisingly, the c8 corvette the chevy corvette uh rejoins the best buy list for 2021 uh we got a good amount of seat time in the new corvette this year and yeah it's it's as remarkable as everyone says and and for such a for such a colossal engineering change of course moving from a front engine to a rear engine mid-engine uh layout it, it it's still unmistakably a corvette and it's again just one of the best supercar performance buys you could possibly imagine yeah it's not quite the affordable deal people might think it is if you see the base price um with the z51 performance package the car should be about 60 dollars. but people are loading these things up and i'm seeing transaction prices online more like 80 or ninety thousand dollars, which seems like a lot but it is a screaming good deal for the performance exactly when you compare it when you look at the numbers it puts up, the performance numbers it puts up, it is squarely in supercar territory. And we should note, too, that the Supra is now available with a four-cylinder variant that brings the price down, which is kind of nice. That's right. Still no manual transmission in the Supra no. or the Z4, though. No. And, no for that matter, and for that matter, let's be fair, no manual transmission in the new Corvette either. Probably no. never going to happen either. No, we had mentioned in the sporty performance class, all available with a manual. In premium sporty performance, no manuals. <laughs> no manuals. Yes. No manuals. And speaking of sporty performance cars, Damon, this brings us to minivans. <laughs> sporty soccer performance cars. Uh, <laughs> this one, we the, a lot of deb- deliberation in this category this year. Uh, and in the end, the our previous uh, Best Buy winner prevailed again this year. That's the Chrysler Pacifica. Um, the redesigned Toyota Sienna gave it a strong challenge, uh, but in the end, we we stuck with the Pacifica just for the unmatched versatility of its stow and go second row seats and the other the plethora of family friendly features it offers and. Uh, for 2021, the Pacifica gets a significant refresh with a restyled uh, look and available all-wheel drive. And again, talking about those family-friendly features, there's an available FamCam camera that can uh, infrared camera that overlooks the whole passenger area and can even see a baby in a rearward-facing car seat. So all those little uh, mom-and-dad-friendly features, it, it just, again, uh, put the Pacifica over the top. Yeah, I'd like to know, too, that about the Sienna, the Sienna is now hybrid only for 2021. And it's right. a good 
hybrid system. If you're looking minivans, it would not hurt you to cross shop the Sienna against the Pacifica. I think you're going to find that the Pacifica, almost a legit luxury vehicle, something that yes. the Sienna doesn't really quite do. But the Sienna hybrid system is great. I think we saw about 30, 35 miles per gallon in our testing in the Sienna. Yeah. Uh, really a nice vehicle, uh, just not quite as passenger friendly or feature friendly as the Pacifica. Yes, one thing to mention about the Pacifica too, you mentioned luxury. The Pacifica gets a new pinnacle trim level, uh, top of the top of the line trim level, and it has a second row uh, pillows. These very posh, like sort of uh, fancy upholstery uh, pillows. Uh, so in addition to a bunch of other luxury features, one other thing to point out, Pacific, uh, the new Sienna, every single one of them is now a hybrid and but the Sienna still offers all-wheel drive as well. So the one exclusive the Sienna has is it is the only way you can get both a hybrid powertrain and all-wheel drive in a minivan. The Pacifica has a plug-in hybrid, but that is front-wheel drive only. Uh, so Pacifica does add all-wheel drive this year, but it's uh, not a hybrid version. Yep. All right. That brings us to compact pickup trucks, Damon. Uh, carryover winners again, the Chevrolet Colorado, the GMC Canyon, uh, both of which receive minor updates, uh, some slight restyling here and there and a couple new features. And then uh, the Honda Ridgeline, kind of the more refined uh, uh, SUV based choice in this category. The, the Ridgeline is a more significant update in that it gets uh, a complete uh, uh, style freshening that makes it look a little bit more rugged than it did before, which I think is uh, interesting given that it's, uh, <laughs> you know, the construction of it is not body on frame like the, the rest of the small pickup truck category, but it's, it's wanting to have that kind of macho look like the rest of them. Yeah, I think the Honda Ridgeline is the single most underappreciated vehicle available for sale in the United States right now. It, it is an incredibly nice riding and handling vehicle that functions as a pickup truck if you needed to, a light-duty pickup truck if you needed to. Plus, mm -hmm. it has, and this gets overlooked a lot, a tailgate opens both down and to the side if you need it to. Mm -hmm. And there is an enormous trunk underneath the underneath Yeah, underfloor storage. Yep. Super useful. Nice truck. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it and honestly, in terms the like, yes, if you're doing rock crawling type stuff, you're probably going to want to stick with a Colorado or Canyon, the the kind of beefier yeah. trim levels of that, or a, a TRD Tacoma. But the Ridgeline has enough off road capability to satisfy the needs of a vast majority of people who buy small pickups. Yep. Yeah. All right, that brings us to large pickup truck. The one of the largest segments in the U.S. What's going on there, Damon? Yeah, largest uh, segments in terms of sales uh, from a relatively small group of vehicles. Uh, yeah. For now, that we've got just one winner, though there's a chance that we'll add another. Uh, the Ram 1500 is our Best Buy Victor, uh, and again. Ram, you just can't say enough about how beautiful and refined the Ram interiors are. And just the ride quality is is fantastic for a, a full-size pickup. Um, the, the open question at this point, there's a redesigned, completely redesigned Ford F-150 for 2021. We haven't had quite enough seat time in that yet to to officially rubber stamp it a Best Buy, but that that could happen when we get more exposure to the vehicle. Yeah, the Ram 1500 is a surprisingly refined vehicle. And as we've noted on several occasions, a legit luxury vehicle if equipped in higher trim levels. It's, it's a hard vehicle to deny. And with its coil spring rear suspension, which is unique to it in the large truck class, it just outrides and outhandles everything else. Mm -hmm. All right, that brings us to electric vehicles, Damon. Yes, we've got uh, a carryover winner here in the Chevrolet Bolt EV. Uh, I I see a lot of vehicles getting pretty large in the Bolt EV's rearview mirror, so <laughs> we'll see if it if it retains. I think you know we're, the the Ford Mustang Mach E is starting to debut as we speak. Um, so the Bolt EV holds on to the crown this year, uh, just for for being 
affordable and everyday, relatively affordable for an electric vehicle, uh, impressive driving range and impressive space for a vehicle as small as it is. Uh, but we'll see like the, the next wave of, of passion driven EVs is, is, is going to hit very soon. So we'll see, uh, how this category changes in the very near future. Yeah, the Bolt EV is a little bit of a default choice for us. And that's not to say that it's not a worthy vehicle because it is. It makes good use of space. It rides well. It's fun to drive, um, if a little odd looking. But it is also available 50 state. And we are coming to the end of that period of time where EVs were not available everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, For a long time, there were compliance vehicles only available in California and some green states. Uh, the Nissan Leaf also available in all states. But as you mentioned, the Mustang Mach-E is coming up quickly. There is, of course, the Audi e-tron and the Jaguar R-Pace. Those are out now, but they're very expensive. Also, the Volkswagen. E- yeah, Jaguar, Jaguar e-Pace. Or- e-Pace, my bad. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or is it I-Pace? <laughs> because you've got the compact. Uh, yes, there's a Jaguar a Pure EV. No, it is. Yeah. I'm so used to being wrong. I just assumed I was. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't know how much longer the, the, the Bolt EV can hang on. An interesting thing about the Bolt, too, that people should know is that General Motors has sold enough electric vehicles that it no longer qualifies for the federal EV credit of $7,500, which sounds like a bad thing. But General Motors has quietly added incentives to make up for that. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the Chevy website and price out a Bolt, you'll see that there are incentives on that vehicle that basically compensate for the loss of the federal tax credit. So it is still as affordable as it once was. Yeah, uh, just real quick, speaking of future uh, Bolt news, Chevy is readying a Bolt EUV, which could also be, that's a, a more, they've shown only teaser pics of it so far, but that uh, could be a small crossover, more of a legit crossover shaped EV. So that could be another uh, great contender for Chevy. Yeah, and that and that's the vehicle that they need to build. I, I've complained about this on the podcast a bunch of times, but I don't know why electric vehicles are still small and weird looking. Uh, they we need, uh, we need I, yeah, I think that's changing with the you know and, and the more performance based thing with the, the Mustang Mach E. I think we're gonna see that uh, shift pretty quickly. Yeah. All right, Damon, we have ripped through the consumer guide list for twenty consumer guide best buy list for twenty twenty one. Uh, already? Yes, we did. We're already at the tail end of it. All right. Yeah, and we're out of time. Here's the news. Uh, the Consumer Guide 2021 Best Buys book is on newsstands next week. If you'd like a free copy, be among the first three people to email us at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Uh, use the word garlic salt and include your address. <laughs> And we'll get that out to you. Uh, Damon, do you know, just real quick, what our compact Best Buy picks were for 1970? Uh, I have no idea. They were the Dodge Dart and the Mm -hmm. Chevy Nova. Okay. So there you have it. I'd take either one of those now. (laughs) I I love the Nova. I think it's a great looking car. My dad had a 1970 Nova with a 307. Three options, 307 V8, automatic, and AM radio. (laughs) He bought it used as a demo for two grand. There you go. I wish he still had it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this week. If you want to check out our best buys, go to consumerguide.com. The whole list is there available now. Our best buy book is on newsstands next week. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide, along with Damon Bell, our senior editor. Special thanks to the good folks here at WCPT AMA 20, especially producer Lady B. As always, thanks to my radio mentor, Steve and Johnny. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Let's talk more about cars next week.